Geek News Reviews, commentary, not just another podcast, on the Ordinary Paintball Podcast. If you were a lemon, I would put you on my shelf and cherish you like I cherish all our lemons. That's so beautiful. I try. I, I only hope that the whores aren't stealing our lemons. You know, those naughty whores always steal lemon. Now here comes your host, Kyle A. Barrett of the World Steve. Welcome to the Big Bald Broadcast, all the geeky news you can use. Coming to you from the West Coast, this is Kyle Abair, I'm an anime and video game voice actor. And your co-host of the East Coast, Tyler Bald Steve, and I'm a historian. At BB Broadcast on Twitter, thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com, or now, just bigballbroadcast at gmail.com. You don't have to remember, do I have to put the the? I guess Otherworld Steve has facilitated that to where... You don't have to worry about shit. I never worry about shit. I, I sit and it's out. I'm not the type of person that's on the pot for hours having to read a magazine or play on my phone. So no shit over here. No shit over there. Although maybe a possible concussion though, right? Quite possibly. I was uh, tickling my oldest son who does not like being tickled. And somehow, some way, he maneuvered his body and I got kicked so fucking hard in the back of the head. And I've just wanted to go to bed ever since. So pardon my lack of uh, levity, this cast. <laughs> so it's, a, it's, not a, it's not you being baked. It's not you actually being tired. It's a possible uh, medical emergency, which you are choosing not to um, indulge in. It's a possible concussion. I do feel like I want to pass out, but I don't feel the urge to vomit. So, so far, so good. Well, that's just a matter of time. Well, I mean, once the vomiting starts, eh, I might consider calling the podcast to close at that point, but uh, I'll be good for a while. Okay. Well, awesome. Uh, we do have some feedback from Twitter at BB Broadcast. We got um, Turkuri ask, what microphone does Kyle and Steve use to record the podcast? Well, you know, thank God for technology because it is now um easy enough to just walk down to even you know best buy and and, and pick up a, a mic that's less than a hundred dollars plug and play usb and all that however and i do use usb mics for for portable recording of auditions and whatnot but for this actual podcast i talked to you um on a usb preamp that is plugged into my imac and the mic i'm using is a marshall mxl 2003 i believe it's uh sub two hundred dollars price range probably even less at this point but i've had uh, wonderful luck with the marshall brand um and again this is this has no preamp to it uh it's got to be powered so i use a m mobile pre which is a usb preamplifier. you just plug the mic into that the mic cable into that and uh that goes into the usb port of the computer and then um yeah we use a call recorder app um, to record our Skype call. And then I edit on a little freeware program called Audacity. I like Audacity. I use a plug-in USB mic because I don't need to be even remotely professional. You just have to make out what I'm saying. I have a Samson, I believe it's a CO3U as the model. And that's um, it's in a shock mount on a stand near my face, y'all. But yeah, that's what I use. And it, I've had this thing for years. <laughs> it does the job, I guess. Uh, I've got a pop filter on mine, or do you, do you use one of those or no? I do, because I will never remember to put a pencil to my lips when I'm saying peas. Mm, yes, popping peas and the sibilance and the wind when you say Will Wheaton and, and such. But yeah, that always 
comes in handy. So yeah, as voice actors, people always say, you know, what brand mic do you recommend? Uh, yeah. So if you're in the in the market for a USB mic, which is definitely the the most affordable route, uh, brands such as Samson, Marshall, Blue, um, um, Audio Technica. Those are also good ones. If you guys uh, are out there working in the VO field or, or our fellow podcasters or whatnot, uh, tweet at us if you've had some luck um, in in the realm. I'm also a big fan of Apogee. Uh, they're, it's simply called Mic. Apogee Mic. It's a USB uh, microphone. Very, very tiny. It, I use it to record my auditions when I'm on the road. I just plug it directly into the iPhone. It comes with a lightning connector and a USB cord as well in case I wanted to plug it into any old desktop or laptop or tablet or whatever so life is good yeah and um so you plug your microphones into your phone i plug the microphone directly into the charger port of the phone yeah and how's that you get good results recording auditions with that i do i do and there's a iphone app unfortunately for android i don't think they make a version of it it's called twisted wave it works exactly like audacity except it's 10 bucks but the good point is while Audacity is free, it likes to crash. <laughs> Twisted Wave, however, never crashes. It's awesome. You can do all the sorts of things. You can, you know, highlight the, the audio file and increase or decrease the volume. You can compress it. You can equalize it. You can add reverb, all sorts of perks. So I highly recommend Twisted Wave as far as iPhone goes. I, I can't speak to uh, the Android thing, which I think to this date, uh, has not been the most uh, elegant of audio interfaces, even though USB ports are on definitely on Android tablets. I don't know about Android phones, though. Do you have a USB port on your phone? Micro. Micro USB. Micro USB, yeah, to charge and whatnot. Not sure. Uh, if you guys tweet at BB Broadcast, you can let us know if you've had any success on the Android side of things, or even Windows Phone, or, or, or what else uh, you use for either portable recording or just setting up at home on your laptop or desktop. We definitely want to know what you guys are using. Uh, we got another tweet from Discorded Haru who says, was curious if you guys knew about the Shinmu 3 Kickstarter that became the number one video game funded project ever. Now, the only thing I knew about Shinmu, uh, other than uh, hearing about this Kickstarter, was uh, that the game back in the day, I remember that came out on Dreamcast. Uh, I never got the copy of that game. But I did have a Dreamcast, and it's probably the only reason I knew about it, because I was a Dreamcast fanatic at the time. I don't know too much about it. I've never played it. That's the whole Dreamcast over to the PlayStation thing, I believe. But what's weird about it is, initially, it seemed kind of like, I don't know if you remember the other game announcement that came out, I think right before this, and that was from the Mega Man creator. And I don't remember the name of the game now. Something 9. I don't know. looks really good, but it looks very Mega Man. And people dug that. People threw some money at that. Um, and th that's coming out totally independently because uh, Capcom has no plans in the immediate future anyway of releasing another Mega Man game. But this one, this deal was a little weird because it seemed like an indie thing where they were independently coming together to put out this new Shenmue. And then we find out later that Sony and PlayStation are helping to produce this and they're throwing their millions into this as well but it's not going to be distributed by sony that's a very 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 confusing story and if you go over i'm on games radar if you go over to games radar and check it out it's an interesting article because sony admitted to partnering with shenmue 3 and there's some ethical questions about not having that information made immediately available on the kickstarter 
I, I did notice that uh, also thanks to Discorded Haru on Twitter for sending a link to the Kickstarter page for this for the project of Shenmue Three. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Over nearly seventy thousand backers pledged, you know, six million dollars and some change to help bring this project to life. That is pretty damn impressive, especially for such an older property. What can you say? If there's that enough demand, that's the culture we live in, supply and demand. If people are willing to throw their money at it, then you really don't have an excuse to deliver. It's too bad there's a lot of Kickstarters that take in tons and tons and tons of money, and then you never see the the product. I think for the first time ever, they had to have a court rule to actually force one of the the people to give money back to supporters for a failed Kickstarter um, because that was really dirty, shady business. But yeah, I mean, if you have an idea and you want to throw it out there, people are willing to throw money at it. Have you ever supported anything for Kickstarter or Indiegogo and have the project completely go south and you're like, where the fuck's my money? I don't have the money to support people. I, I want to start Kickstarters for myself so people can help support me. I'm a historian. I do research. And it's awesome that there's a lot of resources out there nowadays. Um, Ancestry.com, I think, is an incredible resource. Absolutely. They're expensive as fuck. You start talking about like $70 a month for Ancestry. That's insane. Newspapers.com is another really great one. A lot of vintage newspapers on there from not just the U.S., but Canada and some other locales. And that's more reasonable. That's about $8 a month. Most of these services have a free trial period. And I always caution people when I talk about doing research about make sure you know when that trial expires and what the specifics are. Um, like with Ancestry, you have to cancel two days before the end of your free subscription. So you keep thinking, well, I have this free subscription until this date. No, no, no. If you don't cancel two days prior to that date, you're going to get billed for a year. And I was cautioning people about that. And recently I signed up for Fold 3. And Fold 3 is also very, very interesting. And it's um, specifically military. If you want to know anybody's military history, a uh, friend, family member, somebody famous, chances are it's on Fold 3. And I fucked up pretty big recently, and I forgot to cancel my free subscription, and I get on the hook for a year subscription. So I've been eating ramen and smoking poke outs all week. Yeah, that whole free trial period, man, they they get you. They're hoping that you'll forget. They're really banking on it. It's like, oh, free trial. Just enter your credit card, and you won't be charged for 30 days. Who the fuck's got the time to remember what day they signed up for a trial, you know? And, you know, I thought I was pretty good about it, and then that would slip by. So <laughs> it goes to show you, even with the most honest of intentions, you can still get fucked in the ass with a cactus. We do our uh, we do our live streams on uh, Wednesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, when we record each episode each week, and we have people in a chat room that listen to us. So if you follow at BB Broadcast, we generate a link to the kind folks, thanks to Jason Peer at otakulife.net, who gave us a dedicated chat room, Cocaine and Whores, one of our chat regulars, says, I'm mooch off my cousin's Ancestry.com account. Haha. <laughs> she knows, though, and she's okay with it. Yeah, I kind of had that case, too, with um, my fiancé, who is also a big Ancestry.com nut. She has her own account, and she kind of set me up for mine and did some digging around on, on my Ancestry. It's like, that that's really cool. Well, as I said, I have a full three account for the next year, so if anybody's looking to do some military research, <laughs> hit me up. We'll work out a deal. Also got a couple emails we wanted to share with you guys. Eric Rivera says, Hey, Kyle and Otherworld, Steve. Just wanted to let you guys know that I love the podcast. It is my best and sometimes only source for geeky news that I actually care about. However, I listen to the podcast on the podcast app that came with my phone, which is a shitty Windows phone. I don't know if that contributes to your views and whatnot, but I hope it does. I listen every week and I love it. I thought I should at least have some, uh, leave some geeky news 
So I saw on Redbox that there is a new direct-to-DVD Looney Tunes movie, Rabbits Run. It's based on the same art direction the Looney Tunes show was, in which I enjoyed, but since I found out Kristen Wiig wasn't voicing Lola in the movie, I decided to give it a pass. Thanks a lot, and keep on rocking. Man, that, that, that's a little nostalgia bomb there. I remember seeing Tiny Tunes in college, and then uh, my friend was telling me, my friend that I've known since middle school, it's like, you got to watch this show. It's really, really good. It's like, isn't that for little kids? It's like, no, no, it's great. And then it transitioned it into uh, Animaniacs, which was like my all-time favorite like 90s show. Like that and Batman animated series were like neck and neck. I'm watching the trailer right now as we speak, and uh, it's definitely a throwback to the older style of animation. The problem that I kind of see right off the bat with this is it looks almost too clean. It's kind of hard to take that old style animation and present it in like Blu-ray quality. There's just something, it pops too much in your face, I think. That, maybe that's just me. I'm also high and have a head injury. <laughs> this, sounds like, uh, this sounds like the vinyl enthusiast out there and the audiophiles who say vinyl is so much better than digital, man. Analog all the way. I'm thinking it needs, like I don't know, a little bit of film grain or something. I'm not blown out, you know, stretched D, um, VHS marks and everything, but and it's just it's too pristine. A lot of the classic Looney Tunes stuff was remastered on these awesome platinum Looney Tunes collections on Blu-ray. I think they look phenomenal. I don't think they look too clean. They just look like they were animated today. Uh, but it's the old school, hand-drawn, all that classic stuff, all those great compilations. And speaking of Animaniacs, which a lot of people in our chat is just cheering on, Jez Oldfield says, Animaniacs was cool. Alan S. says, Animaniacs was pretty cool. Yeah, Animaniacs, one of the all-time great ones. Um, I want to see that remastered. So, hey, Warner Brothers, if anyone's listening out there to the Smodcast Network and you work for Warner Brothers Animation or can put an email in that's like, come on, we want we want some 90s animation. You know, all these kids are grown up now. They have disposable income. They will they will throw money at you. That would sell. I, I think that would be great because it was a really good show. And as I've said in previous podcasts, what I liked about it was the throwback to the old school Warner Brothers cartoons where they brought in celebrities of the time. So you'd have Arnold Schwarzenegger and Prince, the artist formerly known as Prince or whatever he goes by nowadays. And I thought that was kind of funny. I, I, I always liked how they would do the big ballroom scenes in the old cartoons. And although I had a hard time identifying everybody, but you knew uh, Clark Gable, you knew the Marx Brothers. So yeah, I kind of dig that. Uh, we got one from Cottle in Ireland. Or Ireland, if I say it correctly. i got to work on my Irish accent. Anyway, it says, Hi, Kyle and Steve. Just want to say a massive thanks for all the wonderful podcasts. Love listening to you guys. I recently only found you guys about two weeks ago and already have binge listening, binged listening to you to catch up on the podcast. Would love to join in the chat room, but it airs 2 a.m. on a Wednesday morning, which just is impossible for me to tune into. Yeah, those damn time zone differences. Would like to ask, I know you, Kyle, and I know you, Kyle, have already been to Ireland I was wondering, were you ever going to be returning in the future, you think? I would love to meet you at the Dublin Con. What did you do as well while you were staying in Ireland? Also, has Steve ever been to Ireland? I know these are non-geek-related topics, but hey, isn't that what half of your podcast consists of, which I love? Cocaine and hookers for the win. P.S. Where can I find the old episodes of the podcast before you aired on Smodco? I need my fix to help me uh, commute to work in the early mornings. Keep it up. I know someone who knows someone who says you can go to thebigballbroadcast.com. Thebigballbroadcast.com? Thebigballbroadcast.com. Okay. Now, our official website is actually on smodcast.com, but our old website is just thebigballbroadcast.com, which is what um, 
our old podcast, which lasts from 2005 to 2010. We did like 100 or so episodes, right? 149 episodes, all archived on archives.com, uh, .org, I, I believe. So if for some reason the page does go down, you can just go over to archives.org and there's 149 episodes from 15 to 10 years back. Uh, so some of the information's not relevant nowadays, but I think it's still some enjoyable content. Yeah, absolutely. We did a whole episode where we uh, did audio commentary to Revenge of the Sith, episode three, and uh, that was fun to do. Yeah, I think there was a reason that was the only movie commentary we ever did. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Ireland. I went with my lovely fiancé, writer, and uh, who's actually got a book. If you look it up, Writer Wrong, R-Y-T-E-R-R-O-N-G. She wrote a historical fiction novel called Ireland Calls My Name. It's available now, again, in, on Amazon in... Uh, Kindle ebook uh, or in paperback. Um, definitely check that out. And uh, yeah, we both went. I went to a, a, a convention in Limerick, Ireland. Saw some con- uh, some castles, some castle ruins and stuff. Turns out, speaking of ancestry.com again, bringing it back around to that, uh, one of her um, ancestors was actually one of the kings who had a, a castle there, King John. And she's like, this is so cool. It's like, not only is this awesome just to come to Ireland, but to come back to Ireland and, and see ruins from, from people, from my ancestors. Like, wow, this is awesome. And of course I put the, the cherry on top by proposing to her while we were in Ireland. So that was pretty awesome. So shout out to the, the, the people of Limerick, the awesome Irish people. God, we love, we, we love, love, love Guinness beer, but we only love it in Ireland. You can't have that anywhere else because it just doesn't hold a candle. I have been to Dublin. She has not. But uh, now that we now that she's been to Ireland, uh, we know that we need to we need to go. We need to go back. And definitely she needs to see Dublin. There's some beautiful cathedrals there and all that stuff. You ever travel abroad? Just the one I'm married to. Oh, that's good. Uh, No, actually, uh, I've never traveled outside of the continental United States. I have visited the Canadian side of the falls once a long time ago, uh, but I'm not opposed to traveling. I do like flying. I find it very interesting. I don't get to do it often. So, you know the rule, kids. If you want me at a convention, all you got to do is ask. If there's enough demand, then they'll give me an invite. If not, that's how I'm going to go suck lemons. Speaking of lemons, you just reminded me of something that I showed to writer, my fiance, and she just cracked up louder and harder than I think I've ever seen her laugh. Uh, if you type in lemon whores on YouTube, you will see that, that people have uploaded the introduction to a porn. There's no sex in it because it's actually the introduction to the movie before the sex even happens. So that's how it's le- uh, legally on there. It is hysterical. It's one of the worst acted things you've ever seen. So type in lemon whore on YouTube. Watch the video. It's a great two and a half, three minutes spent for sure. Or you could just rewind and listen to Steve Belch over and over again. Maybe you could like loop it, make a dance mix while he has a concussion. I would love to hear a dance mix. <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. Okay, so a lot of cool stuff. Uh, one of the biggest announcements in uh, the pop culture and Twitterverse of this past week, Apple announced new shit. I'm laughing already because you're talking about you know the biggest, the most important, the the, the most uh, impactful thing to happen in North American pop culture, and you lead with Apple over Star Wars. I lead with Apple over Star Wars. I'm so sorry. We should talk about Force Friday. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cashing in my Star Wars card. Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm an Apple fanboy too. I admit. 
So Force Friday happened. That's kind of big. That's that. You're right. You're absolutely right. Someone flogged me. I can't stop laughing over here. <laughs> As you guys know from listening to previous episodes of the Big Ball Broadcast, that I was resigned to and committed to not buying a bunch of new action figures for the new Star Wars movies. I, I did that in years past, and all it did was just I'd have boxes and boxes of them, and they sat here. And it wasn't until my lovely fiance moved in and said, "We got to get this shit out of here. You know, either put it in storage or sell it or something." And I just said, "Fuck it," and gave it to Goodwill. And no, I didn't give away a fortune. Again, prequel figures, okay, worth absolutely nothing. Jez Oldfield says, "Fuck Force Friday, like these things are going to sell out." Well, they sold out due to demand, but this stuff's going to be replenished in no time. I went and uh, I went to the midnight lineup at Toys R Us. My local one had a line all the way to the back of the store around outside. I just wanted to go see what new stuff they had and how crazy it was. And it was like 98% dudes went inside. By the time I got in there, because I was at the back of, uh, back of the line, I, I got in line at like at midnight, at basically midnight. And I periscoped it too. I got on the video app on Twitter, Periscope, and did a live video stream from the line for a while. But they were letting in little bits of people at a time. So I decided to kill the stream and then launch it again once I was in the store. But by the time I got into the store, there was like nothing left. There was a bunch of new merchandise of old trilogy characters and everything. But no one wanted that. They wanted all the new Force Awakens shit, which a handful of things were there. But things that got passed over and not, you know, all the Kylo Ren stuff and all that, you know, the things, the, the, the iconic imagery that they're already pounding through the marketing and everything. Uh, that stuff was gone. Totally just out of there and an hour previous i got onto sphero's website and ordered the bb-8 app controlled droid which i had mentioned it's like if there is a piece of star wars merchandise from the new movies that i have to have that's the one i want so i ordered it it went through successfully as of this podcast i don't have it in my hands yet but i know friends who have because it's available everywhere best buy barnes you know barnes and noble apple store brookstone all over the fucking place. And I'm like, well, shit, if I had just been patient, right? Like any Star Wars fan is ever patient. Um, so, yeah. And I will admit that, in, in, again, I stayed true to not getting a whole bunch of figures, but I did order a 31-inch Kylo Ren figure, which will be sitting on my nice big desk here very soon. Okay, so that's two pieces of Force Awakens merchandise. Uh, <laughs> how about you, Steve? None. Zero. Zip, silch, nada. And as a matter of fact, I'm getting frustrated with my social media feed getting clogged up with all this Force Friday shit because I really want to go into this movie cold. I only want to see the, the official trailers and that's it. But I wonder, you know, how are you going to feel when you see the movie and Kylo Ren sounds like this and uh, I'm a Darth Vader fanboy and then you're going to be like, oh my god, I spent my money on like the douchiest character. He's the fucking Jar Jar Binks of the new trilogy. It's still that hang up that we still don't know who these characters are, what they do, blah, blah, blah. But BB eight, I said our last podcast, I'll say it again, this podcast. Yeah. I mean, that's a fucking no brainer. I just think that's so cool. And there's a video on YouTube of somebody hacking into one to show you how it works. And while I did shed a tear, cause I was like, Oh man, poor BB eight. It was cool to see the technology behind it. And yeah, I've got tons of friends all across social media who are having a blast, and particularly ones with pets, having their cats and dogs chase this little fucker around. It's hours of entertainment. And uh, yeah, I hope to get one soon as well. 
Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. I mean, you can actually hear what some of these characters sound like because they've created voice changer uh, masks for some of the characters. So if you are so inclined to, I guess it would be considered a spoiler because it's dialogue clips from the movie. You can hear what some of these characters sound like. Um, it's out there if you want to. Now, I've asked my friends who did go out there for the action figures. And I said, now, I remember when the prequel figures came out, the description, the bio on the back was very spoilerific. It told you everything, you know, all, you know, so, ah, that's annoying. I said, is there that same problem this time? And they said, well, I'm afraid to turn it over. I'm not going to read it. <laughs> it's like, okay. From what I can tell from the packaging, it doesn't really tell you that much. And the stuff that's out there, the images used uh, in the posters and the, the, the art and, and the packaging and all that pretty much reflects what we've seen so far in the, uh, in, in the trailers. There, there's not some big thing. So I want to say kudos to Lucasfilm and Disney for at least trying to, to keep the lid on this thing for a few months longer. I know it's going to just, you know, the cat's going to be out of the bag and then everything. <laughs> There'll probably be a high-quality digital copy, you know, the night before it launches or something. Speaking of which, you know, the, the chances just went up exponentially as of today that that's probably going to happen. Because for some reason, England is getting it one day earlier. So if you're patient and you want to stick around for somebody to get into the midnight screening, do a decent rip and then have it up, you can probably watch it the day it's released here in the States. You can watch it on someone's shitty handheld phone. Uh, with crappy sound and everyone's laugh drowning out all the dialogue or the oh, or the claps and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> you said you had got a, a, a pristine digital copy of uh, one of the prequels before theatrical release. But, you know, did you say to yourself, oh, I can't wait to see this on the big screen. I wish I had waited. Or were you like, fuck it? <laughs> it was episode three. And honestly, I was so disappointed by one and two. I was like, fuck it at that point. And you know what? That was almost too bad because that was probably the one most worthy to watch on the big screen. But every summer we have a big bash over here, big cookout. I had that thing playing on loop downstairs in the basement. I was like, hey, anybody wants to go downstairs and watch episode three? And Save some box office money, knock yourself out. Or just go to YouTube and play that one video where they play all six at once. <laughs> I tried watching that. How far in did you get? <laughs> About 30 seconds. <laughs> I get in a couple minutes. I thought it was interesting. And you're watching it just progressively get worse. <laughs> the opening, like, oh, the crawl when, when the excitement's still there. And oh, it just kind of just goes into bland indifference. My OCD started really freaking out because the crawls weren't lined up. So they were coming in at different times, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a fucking breakdown watching this. Then you felt you were like um, that, that one character in the, the Matrix Reloaded, right? I kind of always feel that way. Million channels and nothing to watch. There was a study done a couple of years ago. It takes longer to find the porn vid to wank it to than it takes to wank it. That's true. That's where me and my uh, fiance had the argument. It's like, I like porn videos better than, than, you know, and I was like, I like GIFs and photos, man. Cut to the chase already. I want to sit here and scroll through a bunch of shit. Yeah, I mean, is that foreplay nowadays? Looking for that proper video? I guess you consider the, you could say the GIF is foreplay, or maybe the photos, the screen caps, the thumbnails. What? It's also meta now. Anyway, back on topic. Jedman in our chat says, "Yeah, I don't get that they release a movie weeks ahead of time in other countries, then bitch when it gets put online." 
Yeah, our studio is really, really shocked by this. And it's like, is it that hard to have an international launch day? Everything comes out at the exact same time. Yes, there are different time zone differences. But basically, if you could just launch it within the same 24 hours or something. I'm sure there's tariffs and whatever and laws and bullshit that prevents that from happening. But I really don't think it... Yeah, it it bruises a company's bottom line. I don't think it really drastically hurts a company's bottom line. Look at the Wolverine. Remember remember Wolverine got leaked early um, pre-FX and people trashed the fuck out of it? It still went on to make tons at the box office. Yeah, one of the shittiest movies. (laughs) Apple announced new shit. If you're an Apple fanboy, all the Android people just fast-forwarded and tuned out. Uh, There's a new iPhone. It's uh, predictably uh, all the rumors came true. iPhone 6S and 6S Plus. It's the same size, but better, faster. You get a 12 uh, megapixel camera on the back, 5 megapixel front facing cam. Your screen will act as a flash, so your selfies are going to look better anyway. 4K video. You can shoot 4K. That's, That's pretty awesome. This new thing called 3D Touch. It's like the Force Touch stuff, not Star Wars, but like from the Apple Watch. Or it'll do different things depending on how hard you tap the screen. Well, this one takes that and takes it a step further. You can view different apps without leaving where you are. You can launch different tasks and all that stuff. Plus, rose gold was added to the color lineup. Um, if you want to grab a new iPhone 6S or 6S Plus, uh, the pre-orders, pre-orders are up now. And the sale will be, uh, as you listen to this anyway, it'll be up now. And then we'll be on sale September 25th. Uh, then there's a new upgrade program for all you uh, nerds that that totally spend way too much money and buy the new phone every time there's a new model. Uh, they have a new upgrade plan where you just uh, tack a little extra money to your monthly bill and you'll be able to upgrade with any extra penalties, uh, starting starting at an additional thirty two bucks a month. Apple Care is included. Two years of Apple Care. That's normally like ninety nine bucks a year or something like that. So that actually is uh, a better deal. Apple TV. Finally getting a refresh. I uh, love Apple TV, uh, but this one has Siri in it. Universal search across apps. Touchpad and motion sensors on the remote, which you can turn it sideways. It can also be used as a, a rudimentary game controller. It's going to have a dedicated app store. Uh, the remote works via Bluetooth. you got a 32 gig and a 64 gig uh, model of Apple TV, which will be available in late October. Uh, iPad Pro. People have talked about, okay, we've seen how small you can make an iPad. What if you made just a big-ass one? Well, instead of a big-ass iPad, you got it's called iPad Pro. It basically looks like the Microsoft Surface with the same sort of keyboard attachment. 12.9-inch display, a new stylus called Pencil, which has a lot of precision. It starts at 800 bucks for the 32-gig model. Uh, and lastly, if you're an Apple Watch person, Watch OS 2. Uh, you can pick up uh, some new colors if you want. Apple Watch has rose gold and anodized aluminum. New bands. There's an app called Airstrip that's great if uh, a doctor needs to communicate with the patient and your, your vital signs will show up on your watch display and all that stuff. Um, and iOS 9, that's all going to be launched um, pretty much by the time you hear this episode. So there's your Apple fanboy report. I'll kick in my two cents, being the Android fanboy that I am. I'll start by saying something nice, and I think that it's nice that the iPad Pro has four speakers in it. And I think it's about time developers start seriously, not developers, but producers, start seriously looking at audio on mobile devices. I don't get why, in a lot of cases, phones and tablets have speakers in the rear, because you're holding it up, looking at it, and you're blasting out the person 
who's near you rather than you hearing what's going on. It's so fucking annoying. So four speakers in the front, that's a good idea. Um, over a grand, though, for the big one? Fuck that. That's crazy. Well, you're going to end up spending that money anyway if you've got a MacBook Air. So I don't know, unless you just want to pull the, the keyboard part of it off, I don't think I don't know if it comes off or not, but, I mean, it's an iPad, so... Those numbers are just so big. I don't know, you know. Um, I was going to applaud them for the price on the phones. I thought the phone prices, um, unfortunately, with a two-year contract, were decent. That's about on par with what I'd pay for a phone, a Galaxy or something. Um, there's a new vibrator built into the phone for those vibration sensations. Um, I didn't know that that was a big deal. That demanded a good portion of their release. Um, one thing you didn't touch on that I thought was probably the most interesting, not necessarily good, but most interesting part of their presentation was with Apple TV. They're developing this to also play video games. And people ask, well, how do you play video games on Apple TV? Well, the new remote has a touchscreen in it as well. And they're hoping to develop some app-style games for Apple TV. Um, they've been talking about this for quite a few years, and it hasn't come to fruition. And Nintendo tried something similar and. God, look how that worked out, as in we're not talking about it at all. Another pretty cool thing, too, I thought was um, the pencil. It's kind of a just a high-end stylus, but you can do some pretty cool things with it. And they did a demonstration with Photoshop, and it's nice to have that tactile response. And finally, I just want to say, what the fuck, Apple Watch? You know, after about a week, everybody stopped talking about it. So I don't know why you would say, oh, we've got all this new stuff for Apple Watch. Nobody fucking cares about your stupid Apple Watch. <laughs> I do. I spend enough money on it. I love mine. <laughs> you love it now, but when the second one comes out, how much are you going to love the one you're wearing? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm totally going to like, oh, this is, this is crap. This is worth nothing. <laughs> now, you have the thought that because all this new stuff's coming out. You have to have all the new stuff. So you're already finding a place to ditch your phone, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, they aren't a sponsor, but I'll plug them anyway. Gazelle, uh, they buy your used electronics, phones, tablets, whatnot. You could just, uh, look up the model and, uh, storage capacity, um, fill out some, some, you know, check mark the condition it's in and it'll give you an estimate of how much they're willing to pay you. They'll pay you either by check or PayPal or Amazon gift card. Uh, they'll send you a postage paid box. You send them the device and, uh, about a week later, you're going to get an email saying we've received your device and another email saying we've, we've evaluated your device. You're going to receive this amount of money. It should show up, you know, X number of days and then bam, I've had nothing but successful transactions um very very good experience with them uh it just you know cuts out the middleman you don't want to sit there and list it on ebay or craigslist and go meet shady people in the middle of a parking lot and get robbed or anything like that and or or having to okay now i gotta pa find a box package it up go stand in a long line at the post office fuck all that shit gazelle uh has made it really really easier um to uh to streamline that sort of thing and and they give you you know decent price it's not the best thing in the world you might you know, be able to trade in your phone for uh, maybe a better deal in store and whatnot. But, um, you know, it just depends on what you're willing to do. Of course, Apple for free will take your old phone and just recycle it. And you just walk out of the store going, I'm a good person and save the earth. I, I don't care about the earth that much. Well, you know, it's not about recycling for the earth. You know, that's, that's going to refurb it and it's going to be back out the door. So you just took it in the ass for 200 bucks. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Hell, they buy broken shit. So if you got a phone that's just sitting there, you might as well get, you know, enough to go out to eat or something with it, right? A free meal. It's funny. I have every single phone I've ever had, just like I have every console I've ever had and every game I've ever had. They're all just sitting here piled up. I don't know why. Dude, I still when I was uh, excavating the the horrible uh, amount of clutter in this apartment, um, <laughs> uh, I, I I chanced upon the T-Mobile Sidekick, uh, one of the models, and boy, I remember when you and I were both all about the T-Mobile Sidekick. I love the T-Mobile Sidekick, and I remember giving you shit that this touchscreen typing is never going to take off. People like me with sausage fingers, we're never going to catch on. I need a tactile keyboard. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah, now everything's touchscreen and people are, are, you know, I'm still with my big old stubby fingers myself, just continue to make typos like crazy. But, you know, I'm getting more and more used to and Android as well. Uh, when I had an Android last year, the voice to text feature has gotten really good. It's fairly accurate. Yeah, it fucks up names and all that. But if you're using using basic shit, um, it does save a lot of time when you're composing a text or a message or something. I'm a fucking mumble mouth that gargles razors. And I have great success with um, tech, voice to text. It's really cool. Do you use Siri? Is, is that something that's like part of your life? And, and with Apple TV, do you feel the implementation of Siri is something that is like really important for that service? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do use Siri more to find things because it has been streamlined so well, especially when it universal search. Uh, so I'm not going to sit there and have to scroll to open up Netflix and then go, you know, scrolling through whatever they're offering. I can say Siri, find, you know, name of the movie or TV series, and it'll open up the app for you, and 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 probably even by episode number. And it's like, well, shit, this is great. I didn't even have to. You don't even with Bluetooth. You don't even have to point the remote at the box. See, the current iteration, it you have to aim it right at there. You know. Um, but with Bluetooth, that just frees it up. You know, you can be in any direction. As long as it's within proximity, it's going to work. So the robots have already won. The robots have won. You know, we get that, that scary thing where if you're, you're, you're shopping and then you go back to Facebook, whatever you were shopping for suddenly shows up in your feed as an ad, a sponsored ad. That's the scary shit. That's the shit I do not enjoy one bit about using the interwebs. And I see that same thing happen as well. And I'm I, I shop on Amazon and I'll see it show up as a paid ad on Facebook. And it's like, oh, fuck. You know, if you're doing that, what the fuck else are you doing? <laughs> you're playing with yourself. You're using vibration things. Uh, <laughs> well, I was going to say, I hope you're not buying vibrators online and then have that show up in your feed. No, luckily, if you're surfing porn, the porn will not show up as a sponsored ad on Facebook. We haven't crossed that bridge yet. But speaking of porn and vibrators and crossing that bridge... Guess who has <laughs> the least expected women's pleasure device promoters, I guess you could call them, in the world? <laughs> um, fucking Motorhead. So just take a minute and let that sink in. Motorhead branded vibrators. Yes, uh, from the late 70s have been going on. Just, just They just had a new album come out, too. Lemmy and the guys, one of the great uh, you know British metal scene. They're still churning out things. They're still touring. Um, even though Lemmy's health is questionable at times, he's constantly have to cancel shows, this, that, and the other. But, uh, yeah, you say, okay, this, this, this band is out there just cranking out tunes and touring the world and doing that music thing. But then now, <laughs> I don't know who, if they approached the band or did Lemmy approach the company 
to release Motorhead brand vibrators. I'm not sure who approached who, but these are a real thing, kids. This isn't a joke, and it's way far away from April Fool's to be practical, so... Go over to lovehoney.com. Again, I'm not responsible how mature the content is for you. Uh, but right now, they have four different models. According to the description, world-renowned heavy metal legends Motorhead have turned their attention to your intimate pleasures in their own range of branded sex toys. Powerful classic vibrators and bullets are amongst the lineup, each packing a powerful punch that captures the rock and roll lifestyle of the band perfectly. That's just so fucking horribly written. But anyways... They have the Overkill and the Ace of Spades. Um, both of the big vibrators are seven function, seven function power classic vibrators, and the two bullets are ten function bullet vibrators. So, if you like Motorhead and you like getting off, I guess this is for you. Are these like those, you know, Justin Bieber toothbrushes that plays the song for as long as you need to brush your teeth? Like, can you, can you crank up Ace of Spades while you're pleasuring? The only thing that I see that separates this from anything else is that it just has graphics on it. It has the, the band's logo on it, and the Ace of Spades has little Ace of Spades on it. And I guess they're reasonably priced. If yeah, I, I saw about a year ago that Motorhead were working with some sort of headphone company. It's like, that's like the new thing. Iron Maiden has some headphones coming out. All these bands are working with headphone companies. And it's like, I wonder if that is, is this just, you know, we tease, you know, the band Kiss for all their merchandising and all that stuff. And other bands are, we're about the music, man. And then they start crossing over and start having things like vibrators and headphones. At what point? I mean, is are we going to get a Metallica one someday? You know, I, I have to say I'm all for it, honestly. Um, first of all, talk about an industry that's really been crippled by piracy. I say it really doesn't hurt Hollywood's bottom line, but I truly believe it devastates most musicians' bottom lines. Um, outside of the the pop artists who make tons and tons and tons of money on their concerts, but bands like you know System of a Down and even Motorhead, you know, I'm sure they're all getting pirated like crazy. So you have to do something to supplement your income. If we could have perimeter perimeter of the void dildos or perimeter of the void sex dolls or anything like that. Fuck yeah. If people would buy that, I'd slap the fucking band name all over that shit. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to fashion one. It's got to have the songs embedded in there so you can play it. And, and maybe the faster the song goes, the, the higher the vibration. Maybe just from here forward, we'll only release our music on vibrators. Hey, that's going to get press. That's a great idea. You know, the gear started turning over here as soon as that came out of my mouth. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, you thought, oh, yeah, we're going to release our whole album on USB. You know, the Beatles and everything. No, no, no. Let's take it to the next level. Let's put our album on vibrator. That's unique. That's I, I thought it was cool bands were releasing their shit on um, old Atari cartridges. That was interesting. But vibrators, yeah, we can get some Wall Street Journal press out of that shit. I think so. So, yeah, you heard it first here on the Big Ball Broadcast. So if, if you can start getting albums released on actual vibrators, um, you got to say, cut Otherworld Steve a, a royalty check. Copyright. Yep. Right now. There is a teaser poster image from Preacher, which unfortunately is not very interesting to look at because it just says the word Preacher, uh, basically, <laughs> with fire in the background. But if you say, what the fuck is Preacher? If you read Vertigo comics in the 90s, you know exactly what I'm talking about in the 2000s. Preacher is an excellent, excellent graphic novel series, and it's coming to AMC. 
in 2016. Seth Rogen, of all people, is the executive producer on this series. It was published between 95 and 2000. It tells the story of Jesse Custer, a small-town Texas preacher who nearly, at his faith's end, finds himself merged with a supernatural entity, Genesis, birthed from both an angel and a demon. Imbued with the Word of God, the ability to make anyone obey his commands, Jesse hits the road, reunited with his ex-girlfriend, Tulip, and joined by a rowdy Irish vampire, Cassidy, to track down God himself and force him to explain why he abandoned his duties in heaven. Tell me that doesn't sound like an awesome show. That doesn't sound like an awesome show. (laughs) Well, he said it, so good for you. Thank you for taking me very literally, Steve. It sounds like a decent show. How's that? Okay, that's much better. That's much better. Also, uh, while we're on the AMC kick, I, I damn you guys at AMC for not having a new episode of Fear the Walking Dead. I think that show's really good, even though we're only two episodes in by the time this, this podcast is being recorded. I was sitting there all ready to watch on, on uh, Labor Day weekend, and no new episode on my iTunes feed. What the bloody fuck? But it's like, I get it that it's a holiday and people do all that, but that's why you shoot and edit episodes months in advance. I'm just saying. I'm sure they do, but I think by by their rationale, they're thinking people aren't sitting in the house watching television. No, just assholes with no life like me. (laughs) Like, it's late. What do you want to do? I don't know. You want to listen to uh, Perimeter of the Void on Vibrator? (laughs) Or do you want to watch some more zombies? I think most people are just getting fucked up and acting like assholes, you know? That's kind of what that holiday is all about. (laughs) Did you read any of the Vertigo comics line? I did not. I don't think outside of the speculative market I ever purchased DC comics. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're a Marvel guy. That's right. That's right. my Marvel. Sorry. That's okay. That's all right. But uh, also in the non-Marvel universe, uh, <laughs> rumor is that Warner Brothers is requesting less Superman be in the upcoming Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice movie. That is a very interesting rumor. It's very interesting, I think, because it's also been relatively persistent over the last week or so. And I guess there have been some test screenings and the reaction has been that Affleck's Batman is fucking incredible. Now, I'm just saying what's being reported, kids. I'm not saying that. But they're saying it's just, it's, holy shit, he's like the best Batman ever. And then they started looking at some of the numbers where even the crappiest Nolan Batman movie, which was the last one, Dark Knight Rises, that grossed over a billion dollars worldwide. And when you compare that to Snyder's Superman movie, which grossed only $668 million worldwide, it's like, huh, maybe Superman isn't the tentpole we should be you know, riding all this on. So it seems the DC Cinematic Universe is certainly going to become more Batman-centric, and especially more on the heels that there's another persistent rumor that Affleck's going to be starring and directing the next three Batman movies without any mention of a Superman standalone sequel after this. So already very interesting. And I think that's the big difference between DC and, and Marvel. You don't see Marvel switching shit up mid-stride. They've got their slate out there, and they're going to follow that slate. And those movies, yeah, I think you're going to start hitting the, the point where they're kind of hit or miss. But they're still going to take in tons and tons, tons of movies. DC is still trying to fucking make it up as you go. And I don't know if you can do that with franchises like this nowadays. Well, yeah, you know, the numbers the numbers are out there. Uh You've got the proven numbers just on Batman alone, whether it was Nolan's universe or, or just a few, a handful of test screenings say that, oh my God, Ben Affleck's awesome as Batman. 
Um, I think in general, I'm not trying to you know start shit here or anything, but I think just the general fandom, what what in terms of popularity, I think Batman is just more popular and more well known. Not that Superman doesn't have his place in pop culture dumb. He certainly does. Certainly has a, a huge following, and he's been around probably longer than Batman, right? I mean, just by a few years or whatever. But when it comes down to it, especially in the current environment, yeah, people are all about the Batman. Uh, in terms of the majority, I would say it's this is my just my opinion. Again, Superman is the Hulk. A standalone movie with Superman, I don't think is ever going to get you very far because, as established from the source material, you only really have two threats to Superman, and that's a Kryptonite or b some alien from Krypton or from some other planet that has this ability to potentially defeat him and it, it's they're always god fights you don't see goku movies you see dragon ball z movies you need that interaction with other characters who are kind of on that same plane to keep it interesting and that's why you're probably not going to see a hulk standalone movie hulk will pop up in avengers and whatever because he's a good ensemble character batman he's the spider-man he's the everyman not that everybody's a multi-billionaire but if you really wanted to Batman, you could Batman. Um, <laughs> and when in doubt, Batman, damn it. But you can't just decide tomorrow you're going to Superman. I'm reminded of this uh, meme I saw on Facebook that had the scene from the first trailer where you hear Batman grumble like, do you bleed? But <laughs> it shows a little uh, comic book you know, bubble there saying, do you bleed? And before he can say bleed, Superman's eye lasers are like piercing and like blowing Batman up. (laughs) I don't know if you watched death battle, death battles fucking awesome over at screw attack. And they, they had to put it to the test twice, you know, who would win uh, Superman or Goku. And yeah, I was a little crushed both times because absolutely it's Superman over Goku, no matter how you present it, that's what you're up against. So where's that threat? Where's that? Oh my God, where's this character going? And blah, blah, blah. And if you nerf him, like in the, the Superman movie with Christopher Reeves, it just gets stupid. I would have been on the side of um, of um, Goku winning because Superman has his you know powers by a technicality. You know the the rays of our sun has that effect on him for whatever reason. Whereas Goku is he's just a strong ass alien. And at the end of the day, so is Superman. <laughs> well, he's proven that, yeah, but uh, he wasn't so super on Krypton, though. Oh, no, and I guess they rationalized that by the color of their sun, and everybody was basically, you know, squishy, soft like we are. It makes sense, absolutely, to a very, very casual observer like me, probably more so to a more interested observer like you, that Batman kind of should tentpole what's going over on on at DC, considering the money they've made from the character, the popularity and you just you can't hit your wagon to Superman. I just wish they thought of this probably two or three years ago where it would have made sense for everything they're doing now. And you know what? It also, the numbers don't lie in terms of merch. We're not, not just, The Dark Knight movies aside, we're talking about merchandise. How many kids do you see? How many toy aisles are filled with Superman toys? None. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, you saw some Man of Steel action figure line and some really cool, well-sculpted, large editions uh, of Superman. Well, okay, that's great. That's awesome. But uh, they don't fly off the shelves the way Batman does in, in anything. A T-shirt, a toy, a, you know, something with that insignia on it. Exactly. 
I just wish they had thought about this a while back so that their whole cinematic universe and lead up to Justice League would make more sense because it seems that this movie, they're trying to retcon it before it even comes out. Well, like when the box office numbers hit with Man of Steel and they're saying, okay, these are good, but it's not great. How do we make it great? Oh, meanwhile, the Batman franchise is kicking ass. You know, even if it's not that good a movie, people are still chunking out their money at it. Hey, we'll, we'll let Batman save the day. We'll let Batman come in and try and kick Superman's ass. That will bring money to the Superman franchise. But I think all it does is really strengthen the Batman franchise. <laughs> in the end? Yeah, because now people are intrigued, especially those who have seen the early cut, the work print, the test screening version of Dawn of Justice, a movie we're not going to even know heads or tails of until next year. And, you know, we're going to have Star Wars before that. And already kind of one of the scary things I've been reading is if Star Wars breaks a billion, say like opening weekend, does that mean on top of the glut of superhero films, we're going to get this new glut of sci-fi fantasy films? Yeah, just just more copycats. It's going to be like 1978 all over again when everything's like, quick, make the anime uh, into sci-fi. And that's, that's why you have Battle of the Planets and, and <laughs> Star Blazers and all that shit. Sci-fi's in, kids. That's why we have the first Battlestar Galactica on TV. That's true. And boy, was I happy. But, whew, yeah. <laughs> but can you imagine a theme park dedicated to video game characters? More specifically, the Assassin's Creed franchise okay it's got a lot of fandom steve and myself we've not really uh delved into that world we're, we're gamers but um that that title has not really made much of an impression on us personally but uh it, it is pretty interesting to note that someone out there namely ubisoft or ubisoft uh the the creators the studio behind assassin's creed not only do we have the michael fassbender live action movie coming out uh soon set in that universe but with a different character but a theme park, a fucking theme park, is, uh, is in development. This is pretty crazy because I knew it was a popular franchise. I didn't know it was that popular. Um, but this is supposed to be a pretty big deal. Uh, it's going to be a pretty big park. It's going to be a 10,000 square meter development. And yes, the tip of the hat there, as I said, meter, because this is not going to be built in the U.S. Sorry, kids. This is going in uh, Malaysia which just happens to be the second most visited country in Asia. And the theme park's going to be opening in 2020, and it's going to have all the characters and locations, and I'm assuming tons of different stunt shows, because why the fuck not? I'd, I'd want to see tons of stunt shows when I go to this thing. Um, so start saving your money now. Start skipping some conventions. Save up to go to Malaysia in five years and have a wonderful uh, Ubisoft theme park experience. I wonder how well that series is doing there in Malaysia. Do the numbers actually <laughs> substantiate and, and say and support the idea that people would go to theme park? I mean, are theme parks big in Malaysia? Is anyone in Malaysia listening to this podcast right now and can comment on that at BB Broadcast or BigBallBroadcast at gmail.com or the BigBallBroadcast at gmail.com? Let us know what the fuck is up with that. It's very interesting that the actual studio is behind this. Whereas just a few years ago, you had a League of Legends themed restaurant in China. It was not sanctioned. It was not official. And I don't know if it's still open even at this point. But as big as League of Legends was, I'm surprised that, that Riot Games, they just kind of chuckled about it. And I guess they, they just took it as free advertising. And I'm really surprised here in the States where we joke about Kiss again, where everything's branded, that we don't have more branded 
theme parks or, or restaurants. There, there's a few, but not as many as you would think in the land of opportunity. There's a lot of shit happening in Asian countries that's not happening over here. And there's a lot of people over there, so there's a lot of money to be made. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, <laughs> and you know, yeah, it's not going to, I doubt it would make a dent uh, compared to, like, the Harry Potter-themed stuff going on at Universal Studios, things of that ilk. I was just having that same thought, you know. Anime, um, video games, it's still relatively niche when it comes to what parents are willing to throw their money at for kids. But you start talking about this big Star Wars uh, part coming to Disney, yeah, you know, everybody's ears kind of perk up a little bit when you hear news about that. How many of you out there listening to this podcast grew up in the 90s? I'm imagining a shit ton of you. Now, me and Steve were a little bit older than that, but we definitely remember Nickelodeon's heyday of their cartoons. And it looks like they are on the verge of bringing back those cartoons the way that I wish Warner Brothers would bring back Animaniacs. Now, while Nickelodeon hasn't discussed the particulars of which shows they plan on bringing back, apparently, again, everybody is either too bored, lazy, or has a perception that we love getting off on nostalgia. So rather than create new and interesting programming, they want to dip back into the well of some of their very popular past television shows, such as Rugrats, Hey Arnold, and You Can't Do That on Television. So that's going to be happening pretty soon, and we may start seeing some of the early hints of that as early as this month of what direction they're going to be going into but this isn't going to just be one show they're going to select. It's going to be an entire lineup. So there's the potential for four to five of your favorite past Nickelodeon shows coming back to the small screen. Now, I grew up on very early Nickelodeon when they were showing revolutionary things like Danger Mouse and Count Dracula. Um, and I really dug you can't do that on television. Me too. I don't know if I want to see a 2015 version of that. I don't know anyone that, that that's just demanding this this come in. And of course, they're 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 banking on the nostalgia factor. But is nostalgia always a good thing to hone in on? Is or, or is it just an obvious cash grab? Uh, we've already seen the controversy with uh, you know a new cast for the the new Powerpuff Girls, and with social media anyway, it seems that you know the pulse of the fans are, are speaking pretty loudly. It's like, hey, we want the original cast back. And for whatever reason, the creators are like, we're going in a different direction. We're recasting. It's like, wow. Uh, I don't know how many people would be on board to watch Rugrats with an entirely different cast. And that brings up another very interesting question, too. You're talking about shows 25, 30 years ago. Can you get those people? And really, if you can, how many of these people have moved on to very lucrative careers? And is it worth the expense of bringing some of these voice actors back? Right. And especially if they're going to go for the online distribution model, things like uh, DreamWorks and, and Disney and other things now looking at Netflix and Amazon for distribution. I know that, you know, being in the Screen Actors Guild, the online distribution model for, for payment is way lower. There's like no residuals. It's like a really crappy contract to do animation voice work for the Internet, specifically for streaming media. It's not like it was in the 90s where you get a syndicated series and you can, you know, buy a house or put your kids through college and all that. The, the, the entire playing field is totally different right now. There may be some people nostalgic about these shows and they, they may find it interesting that they're bringing them back. But the things that we've been clamoring for, like over at Cartoon Network, what I think about specifically is Dexter's Lab and Samurai Jack, um, both by Gandy Tartakovsky. Why don't we get that? Why can't we get more of that? Why the fuck hasn't he gone over to Kickstarter yet? Because I'd probably throw some money that way. 
Yeah. You guys, chime in. We want to know your opinions, your thoughts. We want to know the pulse of the people at BB Broadcast, the big ball broadcast at gmail.com or big ball broadcast at gmail.com. Uh, I'm looking at the clock, man, and we are at that time. It is uh, time to pull the plug on yet another awesome episode of all the geeky news you can use. Thank you so much to Tara Chihime, Cocaine and Whores, Sigmund 88, Jez Oldfield, and everyone else. Let's see, Alan S. And shout-outs to everyone who would join us in our chat room. Again, you can join us every Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Follow us at BB Broadcast so you'll know when the chat room goes live so you can join us and the fine folks at otakulife.net. Until next time, this is Kyle Hebert. Other world, Steve. See ya. Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.